Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. The Movie Virgins. Bross. And I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And this is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. Each week, one of us is rewatching the film and the other is seeing it for the first time. This week, for the 30th anniversary, because fucking fuck we're old, <laughs> we're watching one of the greatest movies ever, another Scorsese, because Fucking A, it's Scorsese. He does things to you. He does things, I know. The the, the the thing that most, most made me fall in love with Ray Liotta, Goodfellas. From, and it was released on September 21st, 1990. 1990. Good old 90s. Ah, yes. And I did see this movie in the 90s. I can guarantee you that. Do I remember when I first saw it? I do not. I would imagine it was either... My parents rented it when it first came out on video and for whatever reason <laughs> allowed me to be in the room, which mm-hmm. I don't know, they probably would have. They weren't they weren't really picky about but like what I'd be in the room for when they were watching stuff. Because you would have been like in what, third grade, fourth grade? Uh, s- I was in the fifth grade. Second, second or third. Second or third, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Um, or, but I, I know I watched it in its entirety at least middle school so you were so 1990 you would have been in the third grade but you're saying you watched it all the way through in middle school yeah I was so we moved to Chesterfield in 89 and I started second grade in 89 so I would have either been in the second or third grade depending on well I guess yeah if it came out in September so third grade yep um yeah so I may have seen it when I was 10 it's possible and I just didn't really register all of the stuff mm-hmm. um so but because it's one of those that I can't remember the first time that I saw it I imagine that I probably did I probably was in the room for it like when I was a little kid and then yeah like I said didn't really watch it all the way through for myself until probably middle school so you watched because this is a lot of violence in it it's very violent would you say that it because this is this is one of your favorites, if not your favorite, right? Um, it's one. I would say it's a top ten. Okay. So, do you feel that seeing this movie at such a young age kind of formed your sensibilities around what kind of stuff you're into? I don't think so. I think I was exposed to a lot at a young age, as far as movies and TV go. Um, so, it wasn't as uh, shocking or evocative as I think it would have been for somebody who maybe wasn't raised on some more adult entertainment and and of course when I say adult entertainment I'm not talking like you know fucking porn or anything I mean like (laughs) my my parents let me watch and I don't think they necessarily let us watch things so much as they wanted to watch stuff and if we were going to fight them on bedtime (laughs) they would just let us be in the room Um, but yeah I remember as a really small child watching LA Law um, Twin Peaks you know because a variety of 
of television shows that maybe weren't totally appropriate. I mean, I saw L.A. Law. This shit is no, way no, I worse know, than I know, LA but Law. if I, I'm saying I was introduced to L.A. Law when I was, you know, four or five, it kind of carries on. Plus, we had in the neighborhood, so my brother's almost two years older than me, and then we had friends of ours in the neighborhood who were older than us who were really into Schwarzenegger and okay. Van Damme and, uh, and so I remember I remember sneaking off to their house I didn't even call it sneaking off because we were just going over to their houses yeah. to play and then you would watch but we would go Blood down Sport. in the basement and watch yeah Bloodsport and Kickboxer and Rambo and a large variety of Chuck Norris okay. pictures um, Is so that they're what we're was, calling them they're not yes, films. The pictures pictures so there there was a lot of violence in what I watched as a kid and maybe it's just a, a me that I didn't really hone in on it in a way that you know some other kids might because um, I'm not a violent person and I wasn't a violent kid I didn't get into fights or anything like that either but I do think being exposed to it at a young age means it didn't really affect me as much. So it's not like when I sat down at, I don't know, 13, 14, whatever age I was when I actually paid attention to Goodfellas. It's not like when I sat down and watched it, I was thinking, oh my God, this is so violent and so, why are they so mean or anything like that? Nor was I particularly affected by the language. Um, by I think the time, they say fuck a total of 321 times. Eh, give or take. But yeah, by the time I was 11 or 12, uh, maybe younger. Eh, by the time I was 11 or 12, I had a real potty mouth going on anyway. You did. I did. I did then and I do now and mm-hmm. I don't fucking regret it. So what was it about this movie the first time? So like the first time you watched all the way through and paid attention to it when you were mm-hmm. 13, 14, did you feel a connection then? Were you in that moment like, yes? Yes. Um, and I would say within I, I within a few years was when kind of the the mafia lore kind of obsession sort of took over. And there were a lot of different movies that played into that. Obviously, like The Godfather. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a given. Um, it was several years later that, you know, we got some of my other favorites like Donnie Brasco. And then I read the Joe Pistone books and all of that. But still within that same kind of five to seven year range, I guess. Um and uh, The Last Don was actually a miniseries. I think it was on CBS, but it's Mario Puzo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those. And uh, Hoffa. Hoffa was mm-hmm. early 90s as well, I believe. And I actually, the first time I watched Hoffa, again, my parents just rented it and watched it. And I don't think I really knew exactly what was going on. I didn't know who the hell you know the Teamsters were or anything. But for some reason, I came out of that experience with the thought, mm-hmm. um, conviction, I would say. Conviction. The conviction that I, in fact, am Jimmy Hoffa reincarnated. No, you did not. I definitely did. To this day, I don't know why that came about. I think it was because maybe the only thing I kind of glommed onto with the movie was he was killed and nobody knows what happened to him and we never found his body. And I, I was like, I know where he's buried. Like, I fucking know. And how could I know unless I was him? So where is he buried? I don't know. But at <laughs> at 12, <laughs> I decided you created knew. this weird fantasy around Jimmy Hoffa's grave. Yes, it was very strange. <laughs> I believe it was under a freeway. <laughs> I, I had a feeling that I could uh, sense the vibration of cars traveling over me. And because of that, clearly I am Jimmy Hoffa and was <laughs> buried beneath <laughs> the freeway. <laughs> so... <laughs> Wait, is this weird? 
Is this not? Did you not have he, someone this, who you realized you had been reincarnated? Is it normal? From? Uh, you know, to each his own. You know? So you know, being that I was Hoffa in another life, sure, I think it makes sense that I feel a sort of kinship to some of these types of stories. Sure, um, Goodfellas in particular, I think it is such a wonderful story uh as, as how it's told the movie you know mm-hmm. how it's told i think the narration works really well i think the bouncing back and forth um the non-linear structure works really well the characters are engaging and wonderful to watch and also horrible people many of them horrible people in many different ways yes um, super multifaceted which is so for me Anybody who hasn't figured it out by now, I guess, from any of the movies that I've chosen, obviously a lot of the stuff that I like is just fun, but I more than anything am am character driven when it comes to movies, television, books, anything. Like if you don't have fully fleshed out characters and believable characters Mm -hmm. and characters that I can both root for and maybe hate and really try to dig in and understand and have difficulty understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, truly multifaceted characters, if you don't have that, I don't give a shit about your movie. But if you have that, Nine times out of ten, you don't even need a story. I, I mean, I'm all for slice of life with good characters. Mm-hmm. So we have those those characters in here. And then you also have this wide, overarching, decades-long story. Right. And then to it know... It is a saga in a lot of ways. Exactly. And then to know that it is a true story, um, which kind is of it, though? Pa- plays on my historical... I feel it, like... It is. I'm I not saying like that it wasn't... I feel like he Kaiser me a little bit in the end, but... Go on. I mean, like, that last shot of Henry Hill in the suburbs of America picking up his paper. Yeah. I just had this moment of, like, is it real? Like, is... Oh, yeah. No, did you... So you don't know anything about Henry Hill, then? I I mean, I know what I saw in this movie, and I know what a little bit I read in the IMV trivia. But I guess the point I'm making is, I know that this stuff was happening, but did it happen in the way that he told it? It did and it didn't, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the same of anybody's there are two story. sides to every story. Exactly. Wendy. Yeah. So, um, many sides yes, to every it story. is It is a true story in that these were real people, uh-huh. for the most part at least. I mean, yeah, sure, there's some artistic license taken with any film. Yeah. Um, but basically, the story itself is true. And it is an interesting one. And it is, it is very much slice of life, too, that you get in deep with oh, yeah. what the mafia was like and I think this is you know you have something like the godfather which really harkens back to the old the yeah and in a sense originals in a sense the good old days which is a stupid thing to say because this is a criminal organization and they're not good people but the I think the um the romantic the romantic ideal yes yes. you get that from the godfather of course like uh the the Don Corleone the the Marlon Brando's Don. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because you haven't seen I De Niro's haven't seen, yet. Yeah. Which is his absolute, and I mean, for somebody like Robert De Niro, it's hard to mm-hmm. pick kind of a pentultimate. Yes, I did see that Pacino was a possibility to play Jimmy Conway. I saw this. that, yeah. Which and I was like, they're me. just, the world is trying to fuck with me when it comes to De Niro and Pacino. But I followed along, was not confused. You've seen Heat, though, right? Uh-uh. Oh, you haven't? Uh-uh. Oh, we're putting that on the list, too. Because both of them together, I don't know, you might not be able Heat, to follow it. Heat was a movie that my mom really liked. It was and great. Anyway, um, the Don, Don Corleone and The Godfather in that character is very, to me, an upstanding kind of person. And that, fe- and that situation felt very, 
organized. The feeling I got as this movie went on was it felt very disorganized. Yes, and that is that is a, a lot has a lot to do with how organized crime has progressed throughout the years too. Which is right. that's why I say that it's a great um, evolution or or a sign of the evolution. Right. So this is the next kind of generation right. of that, and and what happens in that generation. And once you start getting into the sixties and. I'm not sure when Rico laws started, but I want to say it was the 60s. So you start getting more into the, well, no, I guess they didn't. In the 60s and 70s, there was a lot of Rico going on, a lot of fear related to it. I guess it would have been more in the 40s and 50s that it really started, getting people for racketeering. Um, but there was a shift. Yeah, there was definitely a shift in organized crime where we're going from kind of, and it's funny because you can see it in this movie too. Mm-hmm. You know, he says in the beginning, all I ever wanted was to be a gangster. And he's talking about the 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 ideology kind of of these these guys and how you know it's not really about crime and it's not about protecting criminals it's about protecting our community and you know the cops can't do anything so we're gonna protect them but he yes. has that idea in mind that I, it is a very me, they hit me over the head with their philosophy thank exactly. you very much Scorsese and I a, heard it plenty of times but it's because it's from his perspective I know but it was a little heavy handed go on oh see the reason I love it is because it's from that perspective. And I think that's part of what the narration really does for this story too, is I watch this movie and I don't feel like a storyteller is telling me about what these guys were like. I feel like these guys are telling me about what they were like. And in that sense, I ex- I don't accept it as though what they're doing is right in any way, but I, I accept it as that's who they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And, and and I know we're getting this sort of first person. So we're getting this first person narration from, I keep wanting to call him Hank Hill. Henry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, be, couldn't be less of a Hank. From Henry. And I guess I just kept wondering if it was necessary. And then Karen shows up and I get to hear her inner monologue too. And I'm like, why? But I understand that. So then I'm like, is this the story as it was told to... The law is that what that's supposed? This is supposed to be? No, um, it's more the story from interviews within the book. Okay, but I guess I just I felt like maybe that a lot, and it's I think it's not how I will feel about all Scorsese stuff. It's very it's too long, and <laughs> it's really heavy handed with the with the philosophy. He ha- he says so many things, and I I don't need all of that. Like I could have gotten it. The, it, it was like when we were watching The Departed, which, I mean, The Departed may as well just be this movie in a lot of ways. The Departed is entirely <laughs> it's like different. The young kid gets sucked into the crime family and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was a different There's movie. like, there it's, are cops two-timing. And there's the, Rolling totally Stones different. playing while okay, people Scorsese do loves fucked the up shit. Yes, there's definitely, he has a signature style for yeah, sure yeah. That, that you can see um, in here but as well. I, I, well, I think any movie of his that I see, I'll be like, like how many times do I need to see Jack Nicholson acting like a crazy person in The Departed? I get it. He's he's wild. And then in this one, it's like, I get it. The Joe Pesci character is a little bit bananas and he's going to do crazy things. Um, and and you didn't, you don't like I that. was, I have... Cannot think of another time that I have laughed so hard at someone dying. But when he shot Spider and Spider went flying across the room, I laughed really fucking Aww, hard. Poor Michael and <laughs> I was just like, he's, what did he tell him? He just told him, like, fuck off. And they're all like, whoa, yeah, way go to fuck go, yourself. Spider. And then he 
just are you gonna take that from him <laughs> which is why i do love everything that that they played on with joe pesci's character because yeah you know he's a wild card or mm-hmm. i don't know a fucking lunatic a hothead honestly he's a fucking yeah. lunatic but you get different perspectives along the way from how his mother views him who i fucking oh my love. god because you know that scorsese's mom yes and, and it was so good oh the painting's amazing that is just one of the best <laughs> there are so many some of the best scenes but you get you get some perspective from his mother who you know he's just a sweet boy and i just want him to mm-hmm. settle down with a nice girl and then you get perspective from jimmy who really he's kind of his i guess big brother in a way you know and, and he's trying to lead him down this path and, and almost living vicariously through him at times but loves him like a brother and is willing to forgive he sees the crazy like he's mm-hmm. not stupid he sees the fucking crazy but he thinks it. That- it's but okay. he loves like, them, yeah. so he's willing to forgive it. And then you also see Henry, who sees the crazy, and I don't think he forgives any of it. I think he just compartmentalizes mm-hmm. it, and he's just like, okay, that was bad, but I'm just going to not talk about it and stay away from it. Really... And then in the end, what do you get? You get the guys who are in charge going, you can't fucking be crazy, and right. now there's a bullet in your fucking yeah. head. And I think you need to see, maybe it's just me, and, and you know, I do know that his movies are long, but I get lost in them, so I mm-hmm. enjoy them. But I like seeing all of that from other perspectives as well and then seeing that progression and seeing where it ultimately gets him as opposed to just kind of he does a crazy thing here and he does a crazy thing there and then you can just go on and assume that everybody thinks he's nuts yeah. or, or what have you. I don't know. Th- this one was longer. didn't bother me as much as Say the Departed because this one is like a saga. So you're yeah. seeing it unfold over decades. So that kind of makes sense. And I do think... A lot of times when Pesci's character, the fuck was his name? Tommy. When Tommy does crazy shit, when he kills bats in the in that restaurant, and then, you know, I, I feel like, I keep wanting to call him Hank. I feel like Leota's Henry is very, like, he'll, he looks shocked a yeah. lot of the time. He looks appalled. And I, again, I wonder, because we're getting it from his perspective, if he's saying that because he wants to be painted in a different light. He's said i know henry hill did mention i believe it was in the book um as well that he said the only thing that they've ever really done that he still has nightmares about back when he was still alive Mm -hmm. the only thing they ever done that he still has nightmares about was that murder the best murder yeah so i think i think he was legitimately because Because it came out of nowhere really and because he really was in the back of the car still alive uh oh i don't know i don't know if that was part of it i think it was more i think it's probably more that it kind of came out of nowhere and it was unnecessary it was just you know uh, somebody threw some words at you. Like, you know, what's mm-hmm. the big fucking deal? And now you're going to kill him. A, that's kind of a shock. And then B, although I don't think it all happened in one night, I think it, in Progress, reality, yeah. it happened over a f- couple of days. But he's a made man. You don't fucking do that. Yeah. Like, you have to know when something like that happens, okay, sure, I'm probably afraid for my f- my friend, my coworker. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking scared of for myself right now. <laughs> I've participated in this. Can you... Please, again, this world has rules that I don't 100% understand. So yeah. what is what is being made mean? You can think of it like a promotion um, in, in how you would understand it. Uh, you're a manager. <laughs> you're so confused. So, so no, there are, there are different levels. Um, and I, of course, don't know all about it either in, in depth. But, I mean, there are – it's – 
it's an or it's organized crime so i mean yes they they do have different levels of you know the soldiers and um people who are essentially managers and of course you get you know when you get into the godfather and you get into the higher-ups there's like the conciliary mm-hmm. and i don't know if anybody's even actually called that anymore that's just the romanticized version but there are different jobs kind of in place um and being made doesn't mean that you have a certain job necessarily more than anything it, it's kind of a way of making you family mm-hmm. so you may not really be family but you're made into family. Um, so it's not that you're completely untouchable, but you should be fairly untouchable. You're a part of this family now. Like, he was a part of the Genovese family. Right. And if you had a problem with him, you damn well better go to the family and tell them about it and let the, give them the opportunity to handle it first. Okay. And if they don't, maybe we can talk about what needs to be done with him. Okay. But to just go and kill somebody else's family member? I that's see. That's not I see. good. So they're part of the Lucchese family. Um, I thought that um, Bats was Gambino. Was he Gambino? What did That's I say? That's what it said. You said Genovese. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I, they, yeah, I mean, they say in the movie Gambino. Yeah. Okay, so to be made is to become a part of the family, essentially. Right. Okay. And the other rules that they talk about, and I don't, I think they mentioned it in the movie, and then I read more about it in the um, trivia, but it's you have to be full-blooded Italian in order to be made. But I guess they changed it later on where your father could be has to be Italian and you have to have an Italian name. Yeah, I saw that that was in the trivia. I don't know, don't know if that's, that's legit or not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But when But I know that traditionally, yes, you have to be Italian. And I still I do think it's um when Henry is talking about it's when it the, the back half of the movie where he's scared for his life, rightfully so, and he's talking about how if you're in the mob you're not going to see it coming because it's going to be your friends. It's going to be your family. Um, and you're not going to know. And then we do get to see that in a lot of, with Tommy. Mm-hmm. None of them knew yeah. that Tommy was going to get made, but really they were going to cut him down. And there's so many times. I mean, there's something. So here's the thing. It's, it's crime and it's murder and it's terrible. But there is also something that I find very... Um, there's something about that that I like. That they're, they're cleaning up their own messes taking care of their own i think that that is something it's almost admirable in a world of obviously not admirable experiences i do think there is something admirable about taking out your own it's like the idea of it's like an old an old yeller situation you know like yeah you put your own dog down exactly it's just really i guess it's interesting to me it's just such a tradition of violence and machismo and I and and like just pure theft I mean they're just like destroying people's livelihoods and businesses and just taking and and Leona says you wanted it you took it and he's talking what am am I gonna miss most about the life I could have anything I wanted Mm -hmm. whenever I wanted and if you want it you just take it and that was what he learned at a very young age from this Mm -hmm. this group of men and I just don't like the idea of you feel like it was glorified? Uh, yeah, of course. So I think that's a problem with the individual watching it. And what I mean by that is, I, you I think I there got are, a problem. Yeah, I think you have a problem. <laughs> I think. Am I funny to you? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> no, I think it's the the problem you have with Scarface. Scarface has become this this idealized movie among uh, 
like drug dealers and gangsters sort of because they see this lifestyle as being this sought after lifestyle and here's this guy who's so great and he's so cool and he's so awesome and this and that and De Palma was trying to show you something that was fucked up and gritty and not cool but if you only see the cool in it that's what you're gonna see and I think you get a lot of that from this too and if you are watching it with I'm not saying you're an immature person but I mean somebody who like I I didn't get a lot of the subtleties of course until I was older as well I don't know that I necessarily thought that it was so super glorified when I watched it when I was a kid but I also don't know that I thought that much about Mm -hmm. that Um, but I do think that you can definitely have and do definitely have people who see this movie and just see all of that cool stuff and how graded and why can't I do that like why not but if you actually pay attention what you see are people whose lives are in shambles throughout and who end up fucking junkies who go into witness protection and ruin their families and what ultimately happens with hill is after this movie comes out he comes out of the shadows and he's like hey look at me i'm henry hill he gets kicked out of witness protection he ends up selling drugs again he gets busted with meth he ends up in prison for a while longer his wife leaves him he got married and divorced yet again and then he ends up dying at like i think he was 63 or 64 Mm -hmm. which granted hell of a lot longer than a lot of other people in that life but still he he fucked up his life like he was he never really got back to making money like that and then jimmy died in prison of cancer um paulie died in prison of i think heart disease so i mean all of these guys are still either getting whacked dying in prison fucking up their whole lives bringing other people down with them i do think that when you're in the middle of the movie because you're seeing it from their perspective it does seem glorified because to them it was like you said he's saying throughout the whole Mm -hmm. thing like i can have whatever i want yeah and it's great and it's wonderful and i miss that so much he's talking about destroying this business this person's livelihood like first he gets the guy in with paulie um they make a deal and then the next thing you know they're burning his place down and it's just just i but you also have and i think that's where you have to be an intelligent viewer and take in the entirety of it. So all of this stuff that's happening from his perspective, he's talking about how great and wonderful it is. You get to the latter half of the movie and if you, the viewer, the outside perspective, are paying close attention, what you see is that one of his best friends is murdered. Well, maybe not murdered. I mean, technically murdered, but whacked. And one of his, yeah, and one of his best friends was going to kill his wife, probably going to kill him, yeah. killed all of their other friends as well, yeah. just to cover his own ass. Yeah. And the guy who he's been working for for, what, 30 years he's now. basically like a father to him. Exactly. Gives him 3200 bucks and... And not a doubt in my mind that he was going to fucking take him out as well the he minute was, he misstepped in any way. But they were so stupid. And... They were so stupid, like... And then he turns on all of them, so he fucks up the family he had. He ruins his relationship with his wife and kids. He ends up in fucking Ohio... Like, he he, pay, he didn't pay like he should have because when you murder people, you should probably pay in a different way. But the point is, is he's talking about how great things were and this is where he ended up. And I think it, the outside perspective of that, the smart perspective of that would be, this guy's fucking crazy. He's saying all this shit's great. He's not, he's blind. He's well, in denial. Th- technically, he's an un... un- educated guy who's just been in crime his entire life sure yeah and i guess and then i also feel like his family quote-unquote family were a bunch of idiots too because they 
kick him out, essentially, give him, basically, here's $3,200, which isn't anything, Mm -hmm. and don't kill him right away, so then he can turn on them. Like, why the fuck didn't they get rid of him as soon as they could? I don't understand it. Uh, It wasn't exactly uh, common for people to turn state's evidence. It it was pretty damn rare. So I don't think that they were ever really expecting him to do that. And if you look at where he was at that stage, too, uh, he was certainly faltering financially. Nobody was probably going to believe him. He had his own legal troubles to deal with. And he was a fucking junkie. So they're probably, and if there's one thing that organized crime has had over the years, it's an inflated sense of ego, each and every one of them. So yeah, they're probably thinking like, nobody's going to believe this fucking guy anyway. He's a nobody. He is virtually a nobody. But they had all the wiretaps and all the, like, it was really dumb. I thought thought they were really, and and I think you're right. I think ego got in the way. Yeah, and and that's why Polly never had a phone. Like, he knew. He knew about the racketeering laws. He knew better than to have a phone in the house. He knew that people are going to tap you. I loved the introduction to the world, like the introduction to Polly, where they're talking about like he doesn't take any phone calls. He only talks to one person at a time. Oh. And I'm like, oh my god, Lindsay, it's your dream life. Oh right, you gotta have a nobody bulldog, else knows. Hang out by yourself, yes. like, and nobody with- knows exactly what's going on. It's one guy tells you what somebody else says, yes. and it's the fucking truth. And then you tell him how to take care of that, but don't you dare tell anybody else what I just told you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I it's that. not healthy. I get that. <laughs> I was definitely like, this is this is Lindsay. This is the dream. Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay wants and to I, be Polly. <laughs> I liked when they were going through and introducing all the guys, like Jimmy two times, because he says everything two times. Yeah. And just like getting to know everybody. And that's a kind of, that's a Scorsese thing too that you see mm-hmm. a lot where, and I get it, you know, and. You, I think you see it in the Irishman as well. Um, there are so many different characters, and especially when you're telling a true story, you want to get you want to get all those characters mm-hmm. in because they're real people, and yeah. it just touches on the history of it. But like, how do you work all these people in? You're already you're going to lose track mm-hmm. as a viewer. You know you're going to lose track. So it is really smart to just have a walkthrough of like, Here's I knew this guy, are. and I knew this guy, yeah. and I knew this guy, and that way, if anybody pops up later, even if I don't remember exactly who it was, I know I've it's somebody before. from before. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about when we were first seeing like Tootie and Polly and getting to know those old, like um, when it was, uh, when you're seeing young Henry kind of first getting in, I was remembering the St. Joseph's Parade in New Orleans. Mm. Do you want to tell everybody what you did at that parade? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? No. Wasn't Frankie Valley or something who was the uh, the marshal of the parade or something? Was he? I don't even I remember like, that. Yeah, but it was, so it's a Catholic parade, right? Or no, is it the Italians? This was the Italians. It's okay. the Italians. It's the Italians, um, the, and they're having this parade, I guess, St. Joseph's Day is around... That year, it was the same day as St. Patrick's Patrick's Day, I think. Or or the same weekend. We're in New Orleans, and they're doing this parade, and it's a bunch of old Italian men walking around, and they're giving away tchotchkes, like little necklaces, like beads, and like just koozies and stuff like that. I got this bean... And it's it's supposed to be good luck, and you're supposed to you keep this bean in your wallet, and if you as long as you have that in there, you're never going to run out of money. Well, I haven't filed for bankruptcy yet. Oh, I'm just the saying. bean is working. So. But how you got all this stuff, or you got one thing in particular, they said you had to give him a kiss, and so I feel like you did kiss an old man on the mouth. It was on the cheek. Okay. I kissed an old man. I kissed, I kissed an old Italian man on the cheek. It yeah. was just really, really funny. I was like, "She's with her people now." That's right. She's out there among her people. <laughs> Take kissing, me with you, kissing them and getting free stuff, and it was really cute. Yeah. 
That was a fun. That was a fun thing to run into. It right? that we. That was, I mean, there's always no parades in New Orleans, but that particular day, that that parade was a lot of fun. Yeah, we literally um. just stumbled upon a whole bunch of Italians <laughs> out in those rooms. And then the next thing I know, you're like over there kissing some of them, and I was like, "What?" Just What's like, going on? "Oh, look, there's an old man. I'm gonna go say hi. I'll plant my lips on his face." I'm pretty sure he gave me that the bean. It was a name for it, and I can't remember because yeah. it, it's a real like tradition. I just don't remember what it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So uh, when we were meeting them originally, like initially in this movie, I and was he said it was something special for me, which is something that like <laughs> no, God. but you get that you get that uh, that charm yes. here too. And I don't know if it's just an Italian thing or if maybe it's a little bit of a wise guy thing or maybe it's just a certain generational thing. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's nice if yes. somebody's like they he just he slipped it in my hand and he was like. This is this is just for the something like this is just for the really pretty girls or something. It was something fucking like that where it was so kind of creepy but also really cool. You're like, thank you. Yeah, I was like, cool. Thanks. Oh my god. Anyway, it's better than like some fake Irish people screaming at you to show me your titties so that true. you can have some it's beads true. or Mar- Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is always or, a yeah, 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 yeah. Mardi Gras is a nightmare. There's nobody asking to see your tits at the St. Patty's Day parade. Uh, there were in Dogtown. There Do you were? not remember? You no. were just too drunk. I was really drunk, yeah. That was yeah. a good time. There were definitely, really if there time. are beads around, people are <laughs> asking to see your titties. Okay, well, I don't do that. So. Well, I don't either. But um, then again, if I did, they'd be like, no, really, where are they? So, so yeah. Um, and I I think to, um, to get, so getting to know the people, getting to know um, Polly and everybody. I, Polly, I think, might have been my favorite, mm. although I really did like Jimmy Conway, too. Um, the De Niro character. How much De Niro have you seen? <sighs> Not too much. I haven't seen much Ray Liotta either. And uh, my favorite GIF—I don't know, maybe not my favorite, but probably top five—is the one of Liotta laughing maniacally at Joe Pesci in the club. <laughs> the laugh that he—even the first time I'm well, first time, first time I saw this, um, I remember thinking like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> that laugh is just what the fuck is this? <laughs> maniacal yeah it reminds me of because i think i've seen him in a couple other things but i really like him as shoeless joe and field of dreams mm-hmm. when they're talking about how like yeah ty a cow wanted to come play but none of us liked the son of a bitch when he was alive so we told him to stick it <laughs> <laughs> like oh that always enjoy that line um so he's really great he's wonderful in this one yeah. he really is like i believed it i believe that he's henry hill and i he's so pretty in the beginning um, those bright blue eyes. Oh God. And, yeah, I know. He just is really, really charismatic. Yeah. And so, so okay, so we're watching the movie right now. So this moment where they see this, her neighbor at the club, uh, Karen's guy. neighbor at the yeah. club, and then later on she comes to him and she's upset because he's... He pushed her out of the fucking car. Yeah, he's a dick to her. And so Henry goes to the guy in his own driveway and beats the shit out of him with a ha- the gun in his hand yeah. and then gives it to her and tells her to hide it and what is she and we get it because we know because we can hear her in her monologue she's just saying it's hot I, I'm yeah. turned on by it which like, I, I think is great I think that's something that so I know I've talked in the past about Scorsese not knowing a woman from a hat like yes. he doesn't he doesn't understand. I wanted to talk about this yeah. yeah and he doesn't get women at all and I think the saving grace for him here is that she's a, that real, she's person. a real person. <laughs> so it's hard to screw up a real person. And uh, maybe he did screw her up somewhat, but uh, but yeah, exactly. You didn't have to. He didn't have to build a woman. Thank goodness. 
But I do think it's great that you, you know, whether you like the narration or not, I, I really appreciate hearing that from her because I think if you don't get a little bit of her internal monologue, if you don't get, if you don't get those ideas of, it was scary and I know it was wrong, but I'll be honest, it was, it was a turn high. on. And then later too, you know, he's cheating on me and I know that I should leave, but I don't want anybody else to have him. Like, I'll be honest. There's I, nuance there. I that, still think yes. that he's just so attractive and I, you know, I got to be with him and he's mine. And and I, you can't show guess. that. And I think they do show it in a lot of ways. But I also feel like, especially for a movie that's so male dominated, directed by someone who doesn't, really know what women are Mm -hmm. in in a film that let's be honest this is made for men more so just by virtue of it Mm -hmm. being a male-dominated cast and the story and everything I think if you want to get certain things across about how a woman thinks you may have to be a little more heavy-handed yeah I guess it breaks my heart that he couldn't just show us that um and I I wonder if the monologue weren't there, if I would have figured it out, like picked up why she was staying with him. But there's still lots of nuance to that, even though it's it's there. She's essentially telling me her feelings and motivations. Yeah. So okay, fine. Like, cause you might think, why would she stick around with this guy? Why would she put up with this crap? Well, and I think a lot of what you get about her personality too it's not even just that she's not telling you this is who I am and this is my personality all the time sometimes it's yeah so when she's sitting there with all these other women she's not overtly saying I was looking down on them and I didn't think that they you know I thought they were terrible people or poor people or it wasn't what I thought it would yeah she's just saying like they look worn out and uh, And here I'm thinking and they're saying they keep saying things like if he found that out I'd kill him he'd kill me right right so you really are just getting how surprised she is by this yeah, life that she I, clearly rushed into. I really do think we could have gotten it without the monologue. Anyway. Oh, I think we could have. That's the way, But that's the way that the movie was built. And I appreciate <laughs> that, especially for a movie that is already two and a half hours long, yeah. too. I need you to go ahead and ask me a question, and I'm embarrassed to tell you what I, the answer, but oh. ask me, who plays Karen Hill in this movie? Leah, who, who, who do you think plays Karen Hill in this movie? <laughs> Most of the movie, I was writing the name Deborah Winger in my notes. <laughs> you just saw, like, dark brown hair. <laughs> she looks, she is the, they look so much alike. They do, I mean, I could see a hint and of it, but. And they have a very similar sounding voice. For one thing, Deborah Winger's probably, like, a good six inches shorter than her. So, I, like, and even though I saw Lorraine Bracco's name in the opening credits, I'm still like, Deborah Winger, I can't, I don't know if I like her in this. And just like, I think I would have recast, I would have recast this role because I really didn't know how I felt about her until like maybe towards the end. I, was I love her like, in this She so finally, much. she opens up and, and it gets better. But yeah, I thought it was Deborah Winger for her. And then I, and then at the one difference point, is Deborah Winger is like a crazy hothead in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine Brockers right, is good right. at playing Everyone one. Right, like farting in people's faces on right. set. Yeah, I, I guess I just... Um, and then I opened it by NDB and I read it and I wrote in big capital letters in my notes, Lindsay, I legit thought it was Deborah Winger most of the movie. And you were also going to talk about Pacino and how great he was as Jimmy. And <laughs> I'm like, if it's not Pacino and De Niro, it's fucking Winger and Brocco. I can't win. Who'd you think Joe Pesci was? <laughs> Joe, first of all... Joe Pesci was not the young 20-year-old buck he's supposed to be playing in this no. film. I was like, come on. I, I, didn't, I mean, come on. I don't buy her as being like 22 in the beginning either. She looks better than Pesci. God. Well, I think that's in general. 
<laughs> when they first introduced De Niro, he says he was in his late 20s at the time. And you're looking at him like, are you sure? <laughs> but, you know, you they do what you, you, you got to do. They aged him nicely. They gave him, they gave some, him some gray, gray hair. hair and that was like, a, that was the kind of gray hair that I had on stage when I did the duck variations, it was the same kind of like, let's just take some white paint and streak it through your hair and pull your hair back. Yeah, no, they, their relationship. So when he first takes her out, first of all, the first date, that's like a, 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 a bust. Oh, it's not great. And though. then she shows up and chews him out and he's immediately attracted to her and talks about how she has Elizabeth Taylor's eyes and he's da 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 da. And then that first date where it's all one take where they're walking into the club the Copacabana and they're sitting there watching and every you know and I loved all the shots of people in the Copacabana watching people sing like the old style crooners and I Mm. I read that it was Bobby Vinton's son who was singing instead and like I think he was lip singing but yeah my god and I just like but to see them wrapped like just kind of watching it and like enthralled by it. I just, it made me so Meanwhile, happy. we're like sitting here with a movie on, playing on our phones, <laughs> something else going on in the background and we're still bored. Yes, yeah. I know. But also I miss live music so much. Like I, like oh, there's just something about it. But anyway, I just, um, to see the beginning of their relationship and how they fall in love, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think the other thing that I love about, about her character in particular too is that I don't like her character. Mm. So like the, insofar as I, I don't really connect with her, I guess is what mm. I mean. Or like if I were her friend, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. But I really like that I think she did it, she did it so well. Believably. So like yeah. in that, in the the second meeting they had where she comes and yeah, chews him out for not, you know, showing up mm-hmm. and she's 100% pissed at him. And yelling and screaming at him. And then by the end of that, just, you know, 45 second exchange, she's, as she backs away, she's smiling and she's flirting. flirting. And it's one of those things where I don't identify with that because I'm, I might be angry enough to fuck you, but I'm not going to flirt with you. Mm -hmm. Like angry fucking is one thing, but it's not switching. I'm not smiling at you for damn sure. Like that's not how I roll. And when I see a woman do that, there's a part of me that is like, bitch you're just rolling shit back for women mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, what I you're mean? making like, it worse for all of us right yes exactly there's a thought in my mind that that's what's happening but the reality is some people are like that mm-hmm. and i think she did it really well where i bought it was true as opposed to because it was such a flip of you know i'm so pissed at you oh <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> it's such a like just a uh, complete 180 and it could have been really just fake and distasteful. Mm-hmm. And yet there was some that she played. I feel like she did it just right where I didn't like that she did it. You know, had I known her, I would have been like, fucking bitch, come on. <laughs> but I bought it. And I think I, I got that in different times throughout, too, that she would do that. You know, speaking of kind of the nuance, um, yeah, there's the narration that goes along with it so that you get a better idea of who she is or how she feels about certain things. Mm-hmm. But I do think that she does that throughout where there's something that needs to be played a certain way and she brings something more to it so that you can tell how conflicted she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just her saying, yes, she did say he handed me the gun and it was scary, but it was also hot. Yeah, Like those words come out, but you also see her thinking and feeling that in different times throughout the movie too of I don't want to help him but I'm going to help him I don't want to love him he's an asshole 
But I'm so attracted to but him. Don't you find it fascinating that Scorsese had to do that with the only female character who has any substance in this movie? Like, he doesn't do that with any of the male characters. And you can say mm-hmm. he does it with Henry, but I, it's just interesting to me that does he think that she's not that good of an actress that she can't give us that? What are you talking about? The narration? Yeah. Henry does that too. He, he does. talks about how he, he does, but that is him. It's and that's, his story. I guess I just. Well, yeah, but it's her story too because she's his wife. They were both, they both basically turned state's evidence. They both ended up in witness protection. I know. I guess I just. And he said. He's such a fucking piece of shit. They're all such pieces. And I don't just mean like the mafia shit. I mean like no, staying I, out, drinking, having it's a girlfriend says, in an apartment. Oh, Saturday, that's for the wives. But Friday's, Friday's for, for the, the girlfriends. girlfriends. And that's all of them. It's just what they do. No. No. You know what? Fuck you. It's gross. It's really, really gross. It was like, I get it. I 100 And that's, again, why I like getting it from their perspective. Because I want the truth. I want to know what your life was like. And I want to know how you felt about it. I don't want it whitewashed for people. Like, why the fuck would I watch that movie? But I'm still going to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel things <laughs> about you based on that. The girlfriend's apartment, the way that it was decorated. Ugh. Well, and then you see their apartment later after oh he gets out of God, prison. Oh, my God, with, like, the rock wall that, like, yes. comes and there's an entertainment center with all the liquor. It's just, Ugh. but it's such a sign of, of who time. we are and what we value. Yeah. You have small children living in mm-hmm. this place? Yes. Like, very, very, if. The wallpaper, like oh. the metallic, shiny metallic wallpaper. But yeah, it their relationship was really interesting. I the to see what where they end up in the end with yeah, they're fucked up on coke and they've got a fucking woman with a baby, other people's baby. <laughs> fucking moving that shit. Who lets <laughs> I understand Jesus. she was their babysitter, so of course she's babysitting for other people. So yeah, I understand that. It was the seventies; things but were different then. But who lets your babysitter take your kid on a flight somewhere? <laughs> I know, stressed out parents. I guess. I mean, we're, we're talking what Philadelphia to New York? How long is that? Like an hour and a half or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess she said she was taking him to the zoo, maybe. <laughs> so the only. There are lots of Oscar nominations, but the only win was Pesci. Pesci. Um, Deserve it, do you think? Yeah. I mean, do I think he gets typecast a lot? Yes. I think the, man, he's so excited to get made, and he's Mm -hmm. got his suit on, and -hmm. then he shows up, and in that moment, he's like, oh, man, or something like that, and then they... They nail him, and so I, I'm assuming he realizes yeah. in that moment that that's the moment, but that he's that he's fucked. But he's just so great at just being right on the edge. And I read in the trivia that scene where he's like, "Am I a clown to you? Do yeah. I amuse you?" That that they had talked to him and Leota about doing a little bit more. Like they didn't tell anybody else that they were going to do that, so the reactions of everybody being quiet were real, mm-hmm. which I thought was really really great. So to see him do that a few times where he's like, oh, he's a little bit crazy. He's a little bit on edge. And you already see him kill bats. And then he just fought, like, just, just slaughters poor spider after shooting spider in the foot. I know. I think, I think that the, the when the scene where he kills spider is what scene. would do it for me for Pesci. Like the, 
And it's not because of the craziness of it. It's because of everything you see on his face playing throughout and, and going from just joking around, because he was just joking around mm-hmm. with the kid, to being really taken aback by this kid standing up to him, to hearing his friend say, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And not registering that he's yeah. joking and then going and just flying off the handle and getting superheated. And then you come to him... He goes through like everything within a 30 second time period of, well, he was fucking with me. He deserved it. Well, uh, he, you know, what's the big deal anyway? And it's, it's just the way it is. And you, this was your fault because you were egging me on and finally comes around to it was an accident. Mm -hmm. He says it's a fucking accident. So the way, and you can see in his face too, that there is a hint of, it's regret, but it's not just regret. It's like, um, I got to bury this. Like, I feel like you can see in his eyes that he's convincing himself that it just was something that had to be done that happened and it was an accident and now I just need to forget about it because otherwise I'm going to feel bad about it. He does feel very inhuman in a lot of ways. He doesn't seem to be bothered. Because, like, Henry is having these reactions of, like, shock and awe when people get killed in front of him. And Tommy is, I mean, they they open up the trunk and the guy is still alive and he's, like, stabbing him with his mom's knife, his chef's knife, and just kind of very cold about it all jimmy is too they're both very kind of like it's just the yeah. business it's just the way it is people but i do think die. again in that moment after he killed spider i think you do get to see the human side of him where he i do think that he really realized right. because that was i business. went too far he did go too far and i, I regret it and then but he, you also see that he's the kind of guy who's just gonna really easily compartmentalize and make excuses mm-hmm. and just say like but you know whatever it's fine it's no big deal yeah. now with jimmy i think jimmy probably is a little bit of a sociopath I think all of these guys maybe are a little yeah. bit. But I mean, and he even said it too, that he at a very young age was a hitman. Mm-hmm. And he loved the, the robberies, but he didn't have a problem killing people either. Mm-hmm. And then you see it later in the movie, he's he's killing his fucking friends. And I mean. Yeah, everybody who was in that, that heist. Yeah. That he, was that Sam Jackson? Yep. Yeah. Sam. Yep. <laughs> he's just in everything. He, oh, it's great. Um, So yeah, they, they take him out and then like the guy in the meat truck yeah oh what and that's the guy who plays adam sandler's brother-in-law in in the wedding singer the one who talks about the nip he's like sometimes if your sister's feeling a little frisky you should play with my nipples or something sandler's like oh man (laughs) you didn't know that it's really cute but um yeah it was in the, oh, the couple in the pink car. So that is probably my favorite. It, I, it's not even a full scene, but my favorite moment. That is my favorite Just moment. Just the two of them the in the car. It's, it's gruesome. The music that's playing, the far off shot of kids coming in yep. and just seeing an abandoned car. And you know what that car is because mm-hmm. you already saw you it. Saw so the pink car. You know, yep. you know something not good happen and then when you get in close you don't just see the guy but you also see his new wife who you know didn't really have anything to do with Mm -hmm. it so there's that kind of it's everything Mm -hmm. it's it's a a cumulative moment kind of for the business so to speak it's a little bit of a heart-wrenching moment because this woman was murdered alongside and she didn't really do anything it's also a moment of what are these kids gonna think are these is this is this trying to show me kind of a bit of the downfall of organized crime because we are now in the early 80s and yeah people started turning on them and uh, more and more arrests were being made and there was a bit of a collapse within organized crime and so when you see these kids come up are you seeing 
them turning on them too and no longer seeing the romanticized version that may have been playing in their heads like it wasn't Henry Hills when he was their age or are these kids going to think like this is cool and I should get involved with this which I didn't get from them but I mean there's there's just so much in that like 15 second Mm -hmm. little moment there that I I hate saying I love it because we're showing dead people but I think it was so well done that was one of the more that, that actually I was actually sad about that like I saw that car and I saw those people and it made me sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I felt it was interesting to me because I laughed about Spider dying, so it was weird. But the- but it's also I, I mean you saw the interaction with him and Jimmy earlier on, mm-hmm. right after the heist took place. So you know that they were friends who've worked together, and you know when you see him there that. Somebody just turned on their friend. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, I and mean, just killed, like, and just left him in the car. Like, it just yeah. was really depressing. Yeah. It was really sad. And, the, like, the one guy was in the trash. They're just, everything is solved with violence, you know? How many times did I have to hear somebody saying this? If I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody, give me my fucking money. I want my fucking money. Like, so many, I want my fucking monies. And so much, I mean, even when, when, uh, Henry's a little kid and, and he's not like he's a 13 year old kid and the whole let's find the mailman mm-hmm. and tell the mailman which is so funny because I'm watching that and all I can think is if I were the mailman dude you just have to ask <laughs> honestly I know who you guys are you just fucking ask me you don't have to break my face now that you broke in my face I would have done the same thing I would never deliver never any mail again yeah. but yeah there's so every, every the answer to everything is you take it the answer to everything is violence yeah. So it felt, again, very different than the mafia in The Godfather, Mm -hmm. where it felt more organized and more respectful. Mm -hmm. And these guys are just, they, it feels thuggish. And that's what's so great about, depending on what kind of movie you watch and the era of it, if it's done well, um, showing you where, in American history, uh, where organized crime is. And that's one of the reasons why I love Donnie Brasco so much. Because Mm -hmm. by the time we get into Donnie Brasco, which is... 70s and 80s mostly 70s and 80s um it may have gone into the 90s a little bit but I don't think so I think it was mostly 70s 80s and it's of course coming from this is somebody who is um an FBI agent who's undercover with them but you get you get the grittiness of it but you also get just the sadness Mm -hmm. it's just pathetic Mm -hmm. these guys are just fucking pathetic they think that they're hot shit and they're not and even the big bosses they're still treating the big bosses like they're hot shit, but they're fucking not either. Like, it's not it's not what it used to be. And he even said at one point, it was when he was a kid, and he was talking about, oh, somebody carrying his mom's groceries home for him, for her. And, uh, and you know why they did that? They did that out of respect. No, they fucking didn't. They did it out of fear. Yeah. And yep, it's, yep. Yes, it's, he does. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny, like, I understand why a 13-year-old wouldn't get that. I don't think... That Henry Hill, who said that when he was in his 40s or 50s, I guess he was probably in his 40s, I don't think that he got it either, that it was fear. Even Mm -hmm. after going through all of this, Mm -hmm. I still don't think that he even realized that, which is unfortunate. But yeah, as you get throughout the the progression of of organized crime in America, yeah, there's a lot of, of course there's respect to begin with. Because to begin with, People did need protection Mm -hmm. to begin with in New York. uh, Yeah, you weren't going to get much help from the cops if you were an Italian immigrant. 
you weren't going to get any fucking help at all. You weren't going to get hired for jobs. You weren't going to make any money. And your family was going to starve to death and you were going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to respect people who are helping me and my family to survive. Mm-hmm. And then it eventually evolves into just money, 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 money. Violence, 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 violence. Take, 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 take. Take, 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 yeah. Um, at one point after she's in the family... Karen? Karen says, we were together all the time. There were no outsiders. It started to make everything feel normal. Yeah. Is this a cult, Lindsay? Um, I think it could be argued that any tight-knit group, in a sense, could be a cult. I think the term cult, people use it in a negative way, obviously. You know, it has a negative connotation to it. Uh, because you believe that something nefarious is going on or something unhealthy is happening. But a lot of people will use it to refer to things that maybe aren't necessarily unhealthy. They're just things that you don't understand. So I think, yeah, the term cult could be applied to a a lot of different... You know, we've talked about the company where we work at. We've talked, joked about people drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, that's a cult joke. But the truth is, is we're just saying that there's a certain ideology that's present there that you either buy into or you don't. And if you buy in, you're part of a cult. (laughs) <laughs> so it's the same thing here. Like, here's a tight-knit family, whether they're blood family or not. You know, it's a tight-knit family, mm-hmm. and they don't trust outsiders, and rightfully so. So it's just them, and they do have a certain way of life and a certain way of doing things. And, yeah, being in that tight-knit group probably is a little bit unhealthy. Um Taking out, of course, all of the truly unhealthy things of murder and violence and uh, drugs and all of that. But in that sense, is it a culture? So what else? Did, the music, obviously. Love. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stones. I heard some Iron Butterfly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Sid Vicious at the end, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they couldn't get the original oh the original Sinatra yeah. which i think that I, I like i like the sid vicious i think it works perfect yeah. yeah i think it was really great for where they ended up in the 80s yeah it was good the coke deb mazer i love her <laughs> <laughs> their first meeting where he's kind of so good he gets aggressive with his girlfriend on the bed in the bedroom and which then, is so fucking weird you go over to visit your friend in her new apartment and her boyfriend like jumps on her on the bed what are you gonna think i'd be thinking like the fuck is this guy <laughs> She was into it. I All know. of these women were attra- And again. It's the power, too. I don't know. The power, man. How- this is him telling the story, so who knows? I think the women who were there probably were into it. Because if you weren't into that lifestyle, why would you be hanging out with those people? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sure there were plenty of women who passed him on the street who just passed right by. Probably some who pissed him off because of it, just like any of these guys. But I think the ones who actually hung around probably were attracted to the power the money you yeah, know yeah she got all her, of it. she got her own apartment yeah she was basically a kept woman yeah what they beats she was so into me that she stopped paying doing a good job at work so we had to talk with her boss i think that's probably <laughs> what made me more angry than anything else in the movie like for the most part most of the people who were killed i'm not saying they necessarily deserve it you know that's up for debate but most of the people who are killed are in this world so they self-selected yeah to right. be in the world but the poor people who just happen to be on the fringes the of it. mailman getting the shit beat out of them to which like i said i would have already been like you just gotta ask mm-hmm. and the boss and the reason the boss made me so mad is because she should be fucking fired i know right 
She's not paying attention. Like, I don't care if you want to come to me and say, don't deliver these letters to this kid's parents because we want to keep them working. I'd be like, all right, fuck ever. How does that affect me? But you come and tell me that somebody who's not doing a good job, I need to keep them around and you beat me up for it. Like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So who's your favorite of all the guys in the movie or all the... People in the movie, favorite performance, I guess? Um, so, I, I mean, Joe Pesci's great, obviously. Um, De Niro's always great. I, I Again, this was, this was where I fell in love with Ray Liotta. Yeah. And I kind of can't even see him in anything else. We, I mean, you know, not that, like, I didn't love Field of Dreams and mm-hmm. smaller role, but still perfect. Karina, Karina. I did like Karina Karina. That was a really cute movie. Um, really <laughs> it's been a like long that. time. I just remember them as as Whoopi Goldberg was driving <laughs> with her down the street, and she told her that she could like turn the traffic lights. Mm-hmm. And every time they would hit a red light, she would they were in the convertible, you know, and she would just look at the light and blow, uh-huh. and it would turn green. And the little girl was like, "Oh my god, she's magic!" <laughs> That's like the number one thing I remember. Anyway, that was a really cute movie. Um, but no, I, I definitely, I definitely fell in love with him in this. I think it's a great performance. I think he has such an amazing voice. Um, so doing the voiceover, the, being the character as well, but the voiceover just sounds so, like there's something enigmatic, but also soothing mm-hmm. about his voice that I think is perfect for this kind of long, <laughs> obviously it's kind of a long movie. I think towards the end when he's uh coked out of his fucking mind i think Mm -hmm. he did a great job Mm -hmm. of and and that was in part also the music and the direction and everything there was just such a frantic frenetic pace going on but it was good work yeah it was great but he he definitely kept up with it really he's like yeah if he came in to my clinic or hospital or whatever i too would have been like dude let me can you sit down let me take your blood pressure can i just show up somewhere and they're just gonna give me volume like i don't know it's so funny to me too like his brother's in a wheelchair because he's paralyzed, sure, but he I don't know why he'd be in a hospital. So I don't know where I this place even was. It and it was like it looked like a physical therapy setting in the background, but he fucking knows. So, I don't know. So fucking weird. Who knows if any of that happened? He was coked out of his fucking gourd. But uh but no, I think I think Ray Liotta was just I think he's amazing in in this. Lindsay, he broke the fourth wall. Um, are you talking about in the court scene? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And normally I hate that. I think it works perfectly in here, though, because it's only done once, and it's only done when his life ends. So So that mafia life is done. Right. It's him. He's he's breaking a wall that's just been broken. Like, he he broke his life. He, he ended his life, and now he's stepping out and saying, then this is the shithole that I'm in now. And then that leads to my favorite line of any movie ever. I ordered spaghetti with marinara sauce. I got egg noodles and ketchup, which is just the most fucking all-encompassing phrase that you could say about life in general, really. Waited the entire movie, and I was like, when the fuck is he going to say? <laughs> you got to get to the end. <laughs> to the very last the line of the movie. So why was the shot of Tommy at the end shooting the gun? Um, I think that was just him hearkening back. I don't love that, that end. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, I do like... 
I like the sound of like a jail cell when he closes the door. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is my life. I'm basically in jail. But I I don't love that. I've, n- I've never totally understood why that snippet was in there. Other than that's the only thing I can see it as is kind of a reminder of what he used to be. This used to be my life. And this is where I am now. This. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... And all of the, it's funny too, because this was this 30 years ago, and you watch now, and it's talking about, you know, Henry Hill's still in witness protection, mm-hmm. and the other guys are still in jail. Everybody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. fucking dead now. Yeah, I didn't look any of them up, but the end, when you're reading all of that, I was like, yeah, that was a long time ago. They're yeah. probably all toast at this years. point. I liked, um, when he gets, well, first of all, when he gets pinched the first time, and it's like his graduation day, and they're all, they all show up, and they, they celebrate it. And it's so gross, too, when you think about it. When yeah. you think about these old fucking men, who granted, they weren't all old, I guess some of them were supposed to be in their 20s, but, like, these fucking grown-ass men mm-hmm. cheering for a 13-year-old boy who was arrested. Yeah. That is so fucking gross. But, what, but he's, that that's when he gets told by, is it Jimmy or Paul? It's it's Jimmy. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. That's what Jimmy says. Like these, the two greatest. You you know the two greatest things in life. It's good advice, man. So um, it, it's, it's advice to live by. So yeah, so that was really interesting. And then when he does get tossed in the clink, what does he get sentenced to ten years because they go to Tampa and almost feed that guy to the lions? Yeah, um, and they get pinched for that because his sister or whatever is like a. FBI typist for the yeah she was like a secretary yeah, something or something like that. um and then says he's going to prison and I was like what the fuck is this this isn't prison and then I realized it actually was prison but they got special yeah treatment because of who they were and then that bit where uh Karen comes to visit him with the girls and there's a guy getting blown like in the visitor area. Oh, I didn't even see that. You didn't see that? No, no. Like, it's like one of the first shots when all the people are crowded into the visitor's area really? and there's like a woman like going down on a guy yeah, in the midst of all that. of it. Huh. Um, can we talk about the kids? Sure. What? What? <laughs> and those poor girls are just getting drugged all over the place. They're around their parents who are oh my screaming gosh. and yelling. Right? There's cocaine in the house. Like the when they're when they're brought out to when she takes them to the girlfriend's apartment. Yes. And is just like a holding them while screaming about what a fucking whore you God. are. I know. I know. That was one of my I mean, I do have some burning questions for you, and that was one of my burning questions was Are they crazy fucked up? What yeah, how fucked up are these kids? I feel like I did see an interview several years ago with one of them. And I feel like I feel like she was a little fucked up. I could have made that up though. I don't really know. Um but I feel like there was and when I say several years ago, I mean like maybe 15 years ago, 15 20 years ago. I feel like there was an interview with them. <laughs> scene where his dad beats him because he gets the letter about school Mm -hmm. and i my i mean my question was is beating your kids ever effective in changing their behavior ever well yeah yeah, i guess it depends on the behavior right like okay if if the behavior is i don't know going somewhere and then you beat them so much that you break a leg like that it is effective sure okay fair enough or if the behavior was talking back to you and you break their jaw Come on. Is that not accurate? It's, it's just, 
His dad obviously beat him just because he was mad. Like, he, he, he wasn't beating him because he wanted to teach him a lesson. He was just pissed. Sure. It was also a different time. Um, I'm not saying he wasn't pissed. I think he absolutely was. But, again, we're getting this from the perspective of the kid. And it was a different time where corporal punishment happened a lot. And uh, he may have seen what he wanted to see. Or maybe his dad was just a dick, too. That's 100% possible. Would Henry have gotten involved with the mafia if his mom wasn't Sicilian? Maybe. I mean, Jimmy was Irish, and he these guys worked. The stand was just across the street, so maybe. Fair. There were a lot of, so, you know, yeah, you, you couldn't have been made unless you were Italian, but there were a lot of pivotal, pivotal um, Jewish men and Irishmen involved with organized crime over the years. So I would say it was more about where you were, who you hung out with as to whether or not you would get involved. involved so if he really wanted to and he was close enough, maybe. Um, in this movie, who are you? Are you Polly? Are you Jimmy? Are you Henry? Are you Tommy? Um, are you Karen? <laughs> not Karen. <laughs> I would say that for sure. Not Henry because uh, I don't know why not Henry, but like I don't, I don't feel it. Um... I guess it would probably be Polly, because I, I definitely you are. am more insular, quiet, more quiet, more reserved, more <laughs> paranoid in a lot of ways. He has a bulldog. You have He's a bulldog. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some, I was having some feelings about Paul Sorino while I was watching this. And I, to be fair, I'd also just seen him as Papa Capulet in uh, oh, Rome. Oh, I forgot in that. And I love him and Dennehy. Yeah, as I totally forgot about that. But him as Capulet, I just love. He speaks with his little accent, and he just is like He's so great. just wonderful. He was great. Yeah. Um, and then when I was reading the trivia, and he was kind of saying he didn't know if he could do this role. He didn't know if he could ha- had the the bones to just be so cold and mm-hmm. cruel. And then he he did pull it off. But yeah, he's. What is there something about me that I just said? Like, yeah, I'm probably the most. <laughs> cold i think it's just what you're saying is you're more reserved yeah, yeah. whereas tommy is kind of yeah like i absolutely and... will lose my temper yeah. i got fire in me but mm-hmm. you're not gonna see it come out like him <laughs> yeah i don't know who i am if i could be anybody i'd want to be probably jimmy from probably spider <laughs> <laughs> talking about the movie and he's like dance like i know the movie they're talking about right. oh, he's shooting yeah. the gun and then he shoots him although i love that they're like shane <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking shane oh it's a good moment it's a great moment it's great um anyway okay other michael and Barioli too he's just oh so i know he's so precious so young <laughs> um is is Polly a good boss i mean effective in many ways ineffective in many ways I don't think that... <laughs> like most bosses. <laughs> right, right. I don't think that because this entire movie is, of course, from the perspective of Henry. And yeah, Paulie's his boss, but let's be real. Like, he, Henry Hill was a fucking nobody. I mean, he knew enough about what was going on to get indictments brought against mm-hmm. people. But he wasn't at he all wasn't high, high up. up. Yeah. And even age. Paulie wasn't super, super high up. I mean, he was an influential guy for sure, but not... He wasn't top of the food chain. So I don't I don't think that you get enough from this movie 
about <laughs> Polly's management style. Okay. I guess to know for sure. I liked when he... But he runs a tight ship. I'll give him that. And I, I feel like it was mostly effective. He didn't have people turning on him until the very, very end. And the guy who turned on him was a fucked up junkie. Mm. So... I liked that, um, I guess when he brought, he pulled Henry over and he was telling him, look, you gotta, Tommy's off his rocker, you gotta stay out of this business with Jimmy, like, cause when he gets out of the clink and he's like, you gotta yeah. lay low, don't do this Pittsburgh stuff, and of course. Cool it with the fucking drugs. Jim, yeah. uh, he doesn't, he doesn't listen, he doesn't take the advice, cause nope. I was, I think I wrote down like, listen to Paulie, and then he doesn't take his yep. advice, and so. Which is interesting, as a manager, you know, it's all you can do to, to try to lead people. And I try that. I try. I try to give. I try to give them like uh, ways in which they can succeed. And what you do with that, that's that's up to you. Um, it's and I never knew what getting. I knew what a made man. I knew the words a made man. I never realized that it was associated with the mafia. Really? So, yeah. What do you think it was associated with? I don't know. Just like, you're a made man, which means you just, you know, you made your nut or whatever. Like, you're, you know, you can wow. take care of yourself. Didn't That's know. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, I was curious, like, why is it so fun to watch this movie? Like, why why is it so entertaining? I was trying to figure that out. Um, is, it I, the, is it just that it's good acting? It's a fun story? I think we it's like all characters? of it. I, I, think, I think it's the characters. These are lively characters, too. You know, we talked about them being... Um, kind of fully fleshed out and multifaceted Mm -hmm. and I think all of that's true but I think that every single one of them is also like a fucking firecracker with the exception of you know like Polly is a little bit more reserved and even Jimmy's a little bit more reserved but Jimmy loses his shit a couple times too but you got flying off the screen is Joe Pesci and in a lot of in a lot of moments um, you know Henry Hill is also like losing his shit and Karen is uh Real, I guess, firecracker just comes to mind again, too. But, like, yeah, yeah, you do have a lot of big personalities surrounded by other big personalities. So any time that they get together in a group, it does become really fun to watch because you don't really know what's going to happen. Man, they got a real Sid and Nancy thing happening, too. I mean, speaking of Sid Vicious, like, Karen and Henry are very, like, they have to be together, but they're not always that great together. But it's interesting to see when he goes off to prison and then she goes to visit him and she just breaks down. And she's like, nobody's helping me. You know, I got nothing. I'm bringing this shit to you. And she's like pulling this shit out of her coat. And he's like, honey, calm down. And she had just seen his girlfriend's name on the guest register for the prison. And she's just like losing it. And he's like, it's you and me, baby. It's you and me. And they're, and then they, and then they do kind of, it does work out like they are kind of a power couple i guess i do wonder about the reality of that aspect of sure. it of course because yeah she follows him into witness protection but she doesn't well i guess she's with him maybe another not full 10 years mm. i don't know she's with him for a handful of years after that but she still ends up finally leaving him and what did it have to take for her to leave him right i mean if you're talking about somebody who was she was in an abusive relationship you know, I was going to say, I don't know. do we feel bad for her? Because he's fucking gaslighting the shit out of her. At one point, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. like, honey, it's all in your head. Like, you need to stop. I think, I'm, I'm not going to say she asked for it, but I do think she definitely put herself she into that she position. She into. Right. She put herself into, into a precarious position and made the purposeful decision not to leave, and that is on her. But he was still 
mentally, emotionally, maybe at times physically, but certainly emotionally abusive to her. And she may well have been to him too. At least the way it's portrayed in the movie, it's an abusive relationship yes. from both sides. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you, but she didn't want to leave him. She said that she couldn't leave him. They had such an amazing connection that they went through all of this shit together and then left their whole world and lives and family together. So imagine imagine what like how awful their life yeah. must have been in the end for her to finally leave him pretty fucking bad he just seems like the kind of guy who was always going to be going after uh it was interesting. he was he he got caught up with all kinds of other right. shit later right. and it was mostly drug shit and he probably had a massive drug problem his entire and he life. probably kept fucking other women too oh you know he did because it seems like he was that kind of guy i loved it because he, he was- flat out said whatever you want you take you yeah. think that doesn't apply to women, It too? applies to everything. I loved when he was on the stand and he was like, I never voted. I never paid taxes. Like, all they have, you know, I, yeah. I didn't even have a legit social security card, right? All they have is my driver's license and my, my arrest records. It's just wild to think about. And the guy, you know, the guy who uh, was interviewing them in the end was the real oh, FBI really? guy? No way. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I know. Or a uh, U.S. attorney, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty cool. I remember seeing that in a documentary years and years and years ago thinking like, like I was a kid at the time yeah. when I saw that and I was so amazed because for whatever reason I didn't realize that you could use real people. <laughs> like I was so young it didn't occur to me that like anybody in a movie might not be an actor. I think that was the same time that I found out that, uh, that Scorsese put his mom in as <laughs> Joe Pesci's mom. So I was just like, this guy is amazing. He's like using real people and shit. Come to find out years later, of course, he's always using real right, people. Yes. That's just what he does. And that's what a lot of people do. But Yeah, I read that Scorsese read, is it Nick Pileggi? Pileggi. Pileggi. He read it, called him, and he said, I've been waiting for this this book my entire life. And Pileggi's like, I've been waiting for this call my entire life. And I didn't know Pileggi is... Married to Nora Ephron. I didn't know that either. Who then wrote My Blue Heaven. Yeah, and I, I did not. Because she was in the house when he's having all these calls with Hill. It's I just read wild. that in the trivia and was like, you're fucking kidding. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know that My Blue Heaven was based on Henry Hill's life at all I either. didn't either. I've I never s- seen it. I saw it when I was a kid. I, I'm pretty sure Who's it was one that, that my parents in that? rented. It's Steve Martin. Steve Martin, yeah. Okay, that's my thought. But I don't remember anything about it other than, I re- vaguely remember him mowing the lawn. That's like <laughs> all I remember of the whole movie. Which I think might be the cover of the movie. That might even be why. Yeah. So yeah, now I really want to go home and, and watch My Blue Heaven. It's wild. But uh, I guess my, my last burning question, which I had written down in here, is do you like Deborah Winger in this role? <laughs> How, how do you feel like she's, this compares to uh, the terms of endearment? <laughs> I thought she was better in terms of endearment. And this, I, truly, truly. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I think Deborah Winger was amazing in. Um, Rachel getting married. Yeah. She, oh, gosh, she's so good in that. I don't dislike Deborah Winger. I just, there was something about her. I, I loved her in terms of endearment. There's something about her in this movie that I just can't stand. And it's probably because it's not her. Maybe. (laughs) Respect to Lorraine Bracco because she's fucking, she was married to Kaitel. And I fucking love Kaitel. Which I didn't know until I read that in the trivia either. That she (laughs) with Harvey Kaitel. Because she was married to some other dude too that I can't remember. But anyway, I'm like, Kaitel, I'm so fucking jealous because I love Kaitel. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, no, he's great. Let's talk about a power couple. Oh, God, I know. Yeah, she's, uh, she was. Deborah Winger's amazing in this. (laughs) It, I 
I, I just couldn't. I was truly trying to wrap my brain around her and whether I really did. And it was really was thinking about Deborah Winger. Now that I know that she's not Deborah Winger and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yes, she's incredible. For some reason, though, I didn't like, didn't, if that, it's just really funny because it comes off as, Deborah Winger's performance as Karen comes off as really uh, heavy handed and kind of It's really rough, but Lorraine Bracco was incredible as Karen. It's good. Um, yeah, it was a good one. I enjoyed watching it, and like I... Scorsese's dad. No way. Yeah. With the meatballs? or those yeah. meatballs? The sausages? The yeah, sausages? Yeah. yeah, I, um... He looks like his dad. I know. <laughs> he looks those, like his mom, those too. Those glasses. Um, yeah, I I bought... Because it's a 30, 30th anniversary, so it was, like, cheap on iTunes, so I went ahead and bought it. Because I do... There's a lot of really fun moments in it. And, man, I just like looking at Ray Liotta. He's yeah. just fun to look at. It's so, he's gotten so crazy looking. Oh, uh, and <laughs> you know, he has an old, because I think he probably was a big deal smoker. I don't know if he, I think he was. He well, no, quit. he's in the, was it Chantix? Yeah. yeah yes, he did those yes. commercials where he said that he smoked for like decades. And I feel like he's probably in real life just a real prick. I don't know if he's, I, don't, I have no idea if he's nice or not, but he definitely has that kind of uh, Val Kilmer vibe going on with like <laughs> his hair's a little crazy, he's a yeah. little unkempt, and he just goes with it, which I love. But uh, yeah, he's, he's, he looks different than <laughs> than uh, Henry Hill. Good times. Yeah. No, anything else about the movie that you want to talk about? I just I just want to know how you felt about it. Like your thoughts I, in general. I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I honestly, oh, I'm, I do, I think I I like, mean, it is considered one of the greatest movies, so, and one of the movies that you should see before you die, of yeah. course, and. I haven't seen everything Scorsese has done. No, I haven't seen everything. I'm trying to think about this. If I had, this is tough. I honestly think I like it better than The Departed. Okay. That's um, totally fair. Because I don't, The Departed, I think, has a lot of problems. Um, I mean, it's got some great acting, and it's got some great and some great roles, and some great stuff. But this felt better to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think this is a better movie overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that is due to the fact that it's a real, it's it's a true story mm-hmm. that you have, yeah. you know, people's lives to draw from. You have an initial book to draw from. You, the the author of the book, who also did the interviews with the Hill family, was. The screenwriter initially, and then, you know, started going over it again with Scorsese, so they were able mm-hmm. to workshop it in a way, and something like The Departed, like, yeah, it was loosely based on another film, but that's it. You don't have all the other source yeah. material, so I I would hope that this would be a better story, too, with all the material they had. Yeah, so so I enjoyed it, and um, I think I probably... There! Oh, there yeah, is! You're right. The girl given... I can't believe you never saw that before. Never that's because, like, I'm just laser-focused. Like some kid getting its diaper changed, too? <laughs> laser-focused on anything related to sex. Like, yeah, I'm like, are. if there's... Like, show me, show me the sex. Whereas I'm looking at this scene, and all I can think is, like, isn't that kid old enough to have that pacifier taken out of her mouth? Oh, no, she needs her passy. Well, yeah, I guess with her parents like that. But they're so cute. I think one of those kids is Kaitel's. Yeah. Yeah, I read that. Um... Who knew Deborah Winger and Kaitel were an item? Right. Oh my God! Can you actually imagine them together? That'd be wild. That would be wild. We need to let them know that that's something they should consider. It so, so yeah, it's one of the it's one of the greatest movies. Do you feel like that's accurate, or it's just an okay? It's a good movie. The cat. Somebody's crinkling. Is having a kitty party over there. Um, I. It, this is tough. Because I'm thinking about Scorsese's other stuff that I've seen, like Gangs of New York. That's uh, him, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not. There are some good things about Gangs of New York, but as a whole, no. 
You know what I want to see him? I want to see him do if he has a space movie. I think that could be a lot of fun. You think Gangsters in Space? Think about that. That could I, be a fun one. I'm thinking about it. Uh, Netflix probably has a oh yeah situation with him. It'd be and... like five hours. <laughs> Gangsters in Space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Let's see it. I want Gangsters in Space. All right. So yeah, uh, is it is it one of the great all time movies? This is tough because I think autobiographical stuff, biographical stuff, when we're t- when it's real people, oftentimes those kind of shoot to the top because mm-hmm. there's so much material and you can really, the actor's like really digging into this shit and like mm-hmm. really making it. <sighs> I mean, I don't think that's the only thing that makes this great too. No. I think it, again, it's, it's the, the wonderful characters, which yes, granted, a lot of that comes from the source material and everything, but some great performances, great directing great writing great ad-libbing yeah. i mean i know there's a lot of fucks thrown around but it feels super appropriate yeah, it, all yeah. of the language everything feels the world that's created and i think that's i think that's probably the main reason why people appreciate it so much is that the world feels, feels real very real yeah. yeah i think this is one of those movies that if i had watched it in college i don't know maybe even to my late 20s it would have bored me hmm. It's interesting. I enjoyed it. I mean, I bought it, so I will watch it again. I wouldn't have bought it if I didn't think it was going to be good. Yeah. Um, oh, man. This is tough. I don't know. You I, don't have to love it. I'm just I'm I, curious not, how you It's not felt. that I don't love it. I guess I just, in terms of, like, favorite, I don't know that it would Can be Can I ask? I don't know if I've ever asked this. What's my favorite movie? Top three. Give me your top three movies. I don't know. Okay, give me three of your top ten movies. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the top three. Just like for me, it's what movies do I want to watch again and again and That's again? That's fine. Because there are movies that I've seen that I thought were really good that I don't want to watch again. Okay. Um, like what? So like Reality Bites. I it's love one of your favorite. Yeah, yeah. It's it's up there, and that's I will watch it again and again and again. Constantine. I'll just watch that movie again and again and again. I love Constantine. Yeah, that's a good... It wouldn't crack my top ten, but I love it. That's a favorite for me. Um, So I feel like I'm more like in the the genre land when I pick... And I'm not picking things... Okay, so I should ask you what your favorite drama is? (laughs) Yes, or like block... Like, I just haven't... I'm trying to think if there are like blockbusters or things that I've seen that I've been like, yes. Well, what's your favorite drama? I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite drama. I don't watch enough drama. Um, what about like a crime thriller? That's that's your that's I, your that's stuff. why I'm just asking if I don't know that it, like probably some of the stuff we've watched since we started making this podcast. All right, cool. because most of what I like, if it's going to come down to it, it's going to be like horror or a comedy or space gangsters. Space gangsters. <laughs> um, we can just call it space gangsters. Can I ask you this? What is your favorite movie since we've started this podcast that I made you watch? Of the ones I've uh, made you watch? That's a good question. I'm gonna have to I know look. it's not super related to Goodfellas, but now I'm just really curious. Okay. It isn't probably Goodfellas. I, I've been thinking about Saving Private Ryan a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Let's see. So, Wind River. Mm-hmm. Also really good. Sons of Beverly Hills. Dark. Oh, speaking of dark, yeah. uh, Everybody should definitely watch The Devil all the time. (laughs) I'm just saying. And Pen15. Agony Milk. So (laughs) watch watch The Devil all the time because it's filled with fucking agony milk. And then as a palate cleanser, move on over to Pen15. Pen15 on Hulu. That's right. Um... 
I feel like I know what it is and what it should or what it should be, but I don't want to say until you come across it. Oh, I'm gonna be really disappointed if it's not what I'm thinking though. That's a lot of fucking coke. This is really, really hard. Um shit. I don't know. You picked me. Like, <laughs> this is a really bad time for me because I just, my thoughts have been very scattered lately. And um, I'm sorry. I think it might be Wind River. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Is that, what do you think I was going to I was pick? thinking you were going to say the bronze. So, so I was Just because to, it's, oh, so right, funny. If it's a comedy, I'm going to, like, I like the comedies. Yeah. But if I had to pick the things that I wouldn't have watched myself. Oh, okay, okay. It's probably going to be Wind River. Okay. I mean, The Godfather and Goodfellas are fun, but... Wind River was really affecting, and I thought really beautifully shot. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's something more um, personal about a movie that takes place in our times mm-hmm. with people we can more readily connect to. Yeah. So, so this is a the Godfather. Good Godfathers. Godfellas. <laughs> Goodfellas is a fun movie. No, I shouldn't even say this is stupid. I know. It's describe it. <laughs> it's. It's fascinating to watch yeah. and and fun and there were funny moments and there's just really good acting and some really good... Scorsese does do good stuff with he, when he pairs music with moments in film mm-hmm. and um, he does have an eye for that. So um, it's not my favorite director. Um, mm-hmm. That's an fair. Old I, dude. I, I have certain directors that I love or appreciate or really like their work but I don't know that I could say I have a favorite director because I feel Mm -hmm. like I I tend to it's the same way I am with like if you ask me who my favorite musical performer is I'd be like I don't fucking know I don't even know who does songs half the time I just know what songs I like so a lot of it's the same with movies too where I'm like I like the movies and if I see enough movies made by the same person I definitely catch on to that and think yes I love Scorsese his the things that I enjoy about his films mm-hmm. are consistent throughout. Um, and there are enough of his films that I really enjoy. So I appreciate him and, and think that he's a great director. I, but I, I still wouldn't, I still don't know that I have a favorite director because I really only have favorite movies, you know? I guess to answer that question for yourself, it's if a director makes a movie, do you feel like you have to go see it? Not necessarily, no. I, I, I usually put all of it together, you know, is it, I might take that into consideration, you know, that I trust this director to make a good film. And because of that, I may be more inclined to see it. But I'm also thinking about who's in it. I'm also thinking about what the story is. I'm also thinking about just whether or not it appeals to me. You know, like if it's about something that I don't give a shit about, I don't I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I don't think there's any. Yeah, I can't say that there's a director that it's it, for me. It's the same. It's. Is it a movie that's going to interest me? Right. And even actors. I wouldn't even say that I have a season passed in any any actor or actress. No. I would say more so with actors just because it's it's easier, I think. I, I feel like if I, if there's a director I really like and I go and I watch a movie that that person directs, you can sometimes see, so like, like I said with Scorsese, there are certain things that he does that are very clearly him. But with a lot of directors, it's hard to see those things that make them them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always 100% obvious that this movie is 
Right. Karen Bigelow. You right. know, like, I, I don't know that I can identify exactly what it is that you she Catherine does. Bigelow? Catherine Sorry, yeah. it's Catherine okay. I'm watching Karen at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Snorting coke. Karen but, Hill, Catherine Hill. They're the same people. Yeah. Deborah yeah. Winger. I don't fucking know. Who <laughs> they're all, it's, it's Lorraine Bracco, Catherine Bigelow, Karen Hill, and Deborah Winger. All the same all person. All the same person. Um, so, I don't know that going into it, I would think like well even if this movie isn't very good at least I know I'm gonna get a good mm. hit of the director from it because sometimes you do sometimes you don't it depends on the film and the director mm-hmm. and how they they do their thing but I think with actors a lot of times what you like about the actor is the way they make certain expressions mm-hmm. the, the sound of their voice yeah. the the way They're that pretty. they do certain things well even if it might be an attraction thing mm-hmm. too where like yeah i just think he's really hot so i just want to look at him for 2 hours even if it's a shitty movie sure but it may also be that i know this person's a good actor because of x y and z and i know that even if the movie shit they're still going to do x y and z and i can identify mm-hmm. x y and z whereas i might really like stuff that the director does but i it's hard for me to always identify it yeah i'll get sold by like a a preview and then i won't watch the movie when it's available to me which is i don't understand like you want strange. to see it based yeah, on the like preview, I'll see and the preview like oh my god that looks so good and then it'll be on hbo or it'll be on hulu or netflix and i'll i just won't watch it i'll be like then i'm done with it i'm bored of it i'm over it and you just don't care anymore and i don't know if it's something to do with just like when the preview comes out there's an urgency there and then it comes out and it's in the theaters and you you're feeling like oh i want to go see it um and i would say more more often than not comedies i will watch hmm. um but if it's something else that seems more intense horror or drama something like that i probably will be less inclined um yeah i don't know eh, horror maybe not I, I do enjoy a good horror movie but Hmm. Yeah, it's just weird. Um, and I can't think of one that's happened recently. Like, I remember I watched the preview for The Nightingale when it showed up on Hulu, and then I was all excited about it, but I never watched it. And then you saw it, and you said it was really good. It's fucking amazing. Um, so Horrible. Yeah. Really hard to but watch. That's, but that's it. Like, I knew it would be hard to watch, and I yeah. kind of have to be in the mood for that. The particular scene... <laughs> I don't even need to say what happens in the scene, because if you watch the movie, you fucking know what scene I'm talking about. It is one of the hardest scenes that I think I've ever sat through Jesus in a movie and I seek out movies that are hard to sit through right, yeah <laughs> and it was like you have really, said I would like to watch it was really hard yeah um, but so well done yeah so I probably just don't have a lot in me to watch really hard things and man now right now the world is shit so I don't want to watch hard things because the world is hard but then going to horror I had been avoiding it avoiding it avoiding it and then I said like fuck it I'm gonna subscribe to Shudder and I watched Host and it was so great and I just I think horror lets me have that catharsis and that like it feel things but it's in a safe space yeah yeah that's I mean that's one of the things that I get from the really intense dramas yeah but I I don't want to watch drama that could be close to like real life I don't want to watch stuff that could be close to my real life so if there's something I personally am struggling with, I don't want to see that. Okay. You know, if I, um, I don't know, if I if I got diagnosed with cancer, I don't want to fucking watch Terms of Endearment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want something that hits really close to home. But hitting close to the human experience in general, mm-hmm. then I, I, I mean, that's 
that's what makes me feel so yeah i think there's also an element of like sort of self-punishment maybe for me i uh, the self-flagellation yes you are one of those (laughs) so that could be part of it too i think melissa said something about that i was just like you guys about what oh the screaming and just all of it yeah i don't understand how you don't hurt yourself you do. You definitely do. We all do. It's a human I thing. I do it in a different way. Yeah, exactly. I do it and I don't do it. In, right. Everybody does it, but everybody has their own way of doing right. it. And the, like, uh, I don't drink, for example. I, I, I think sure. people who binge drink, Oh yeah. you don't binge drink to have fun. You can say you do, you but been, no. no if, you, if you're binge drinking, okay. you are going to a point where me, you are intending to get fucked let me up. Say, let me say this. If you're in a cultural space where binge drinking is appropriate and in some cases required college is a it's good not required i went to college and never binge drank okay let's be clear it's not required but let me just it is it's accepted it, it is it is a part of the experience and and you're in like you're doing keg stands and you're and you're i've shopping. never done a keg stand right okay but the point i'm making is like it's part of that experience sure. and so people do it so but they, that's not the same as... Are they doing it to have... So what I... I'm talking about somebody who consistently... I'm not saying somebody yes. who went to college and, yeah, when they went to parties, they would drink until they passed out. I'm talking about somebody who consistently binge drinks. Right. Yes. That is self... That's a, a type of self-punishment. Yes. It is. And it's... But it's... When you're doing it, you're, you might not realize why you're doing it. And no. And you might even not be doing it to punish yourself. Maybe you're No, doing I it. don't think I realize when I'm reading depressing books and watching depressing mm-hmm. movies and putting myself in that state of mind it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I realized yeah, that that, that, that was part of doing. what was happening yeah. yeah and and like the bench like I, speaking from my own experience it was I was I was doing it I think to like forget mm-hmm. and like not have to think and not have to feel and I, actually there was a book I think you've read it too um and I can't remember the name of it but it talks about how people who binged in college and in their 20s that that they are a little bit uh, they could be more immature and less developed than other people mm-hmm. because they didn't deal with any of your shit exactly yeah. and that is that is me like I just didn't and maybe this is how normal people feel and I'm just putting this on myself but I definitely feel like I didn't deal with stuff and I do feel a little bit emotionally stunted because of it um but yeah, there's other stuff too. There's uh, plenty of other stuff. I know I punish myself some days by I don't make good choices health wise, and oh, it's all and the it, time. it's with dumb. food and working out. Right, Fuck exactly. It. Yeah. I love when I hurt myself, like it because it's whether it's a pulled muscle or that's weird, <laughs> a potential dude. tear or something. It makes me feel very accomplished. Like that's fucked. I worked out so hard that I. hurt hurt and yeah. i don't just mean a pulled muscle but like i said something else you need, even you need to fix that oh that's gee should i go to therapy that's a problem <laughs> the point is is we all have the and a lot of people have that one a lot of people have that or um feeling hungry and i remember feeling that when i was a, a teenager that's a control thing okay well yeah i, I, have, like. I have control issues too yeah. but i mean the the bad feeling mm. of feeling hungry and feeling kind of sick because you're hungry still gives you joy yes. well that's yeah you're you're hurting yourself i mean it's true so yeah, so you know, I anyway. <laughs> is Goodfellas a good movie? Yes, yes. Um, will I watch it again? Yes. Would I recommend other people watch it? Yes. I think it is a, a an enjoyable. 
Watch. Um, the only other question I have. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Goodfellas? My cousin Vinny. Oh, Vinny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or Like, it's funny to me that he has this and he has my cousin Vinny and I first met him in fucking Home Alone. <laughs> it makes me sick because he's so good in this and he's so good in my cousin and Vinny. And you just know him from like a kid's and movie. I'm like, and I'm like, why the fuck was he even in Home Alone? Like, it doesn't even make sense. I know character actor. That's fine. But he was, why was Daniel Stern there? I know, right? Exactly. You know, whatever. I mean, they, they probably made a fuck ton of money from that movie. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure. Them. With residuals and shit? Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, my cousin Vinny, hands down. Yeah. Okay. So much fun. No, I, I mean, I do not disagree. I've... In the vein of, like, comedies, honestly, if I had to pick between that and the bronze, I'd pick my cousin Vinny. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I love that movie as well. But uh, The bronze yeah. is really great one-liners and in a lot of laughs. I think that yeah. was why I thought mm-hmm. that you and I know that you did enjoy it too because mm-hmm. we, we talked about it obviously yeah. but I'm big on I, I think with comedy comedy offers me something um different well obviously it offers everybody something different but I, I feel like with me I if it, if it gets so stuck in my head whether it's the characters and maybe just the way that they say things or the way that they look or act mm-hmm. in a certain way or certain lines or that kind of thing. If it gets stuck in my head, that's how I know it's a comedy I love. That's why Bridesmaids and Step Brothers are, you know, ones that I – because it feels like home. It's mm-hmm. like the kind of thing that I can just come back to and I know the line that's coming and I fucking love it and it's going to make me laugh every time. And I know the reaction that's going to happen and I just fucking love it every time. So it's not to say that I don't enjoy other amazing comedies like My Cousin Vinny, mm-hmm. but it's not one that I come back to in the same way that I do like The Bronze or Step Brothers right. or you know the others. Anyway, Goodfellas, great movie. Top 10 at least for me. Huh? And uh, top 100 at least for you, I guess. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, we can put it in the top 50. Oh, all right. Okay. I don't know. I've never made a. I've never made a list. Oh, Maybe boy. I should get on it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. The movie virgins. Hey, people. This is Leah. I have two apologies. One, I owe you an episode on Reanimator, which I failed to release last week. Sorry, not sorry. And um, the sniffles. God, the sniffles are back. It's fall. Summer is officially over, and we are. And and. I can't even, I can't even do a good sniffle right now, but there's a lot of sniffles and I try to edit all the sniffles out that I can, but really, I don't know if there's like some software out in the world that will help me edit sniffles. Maybe. Anyway, this was a fun episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Wherever you are listening, please subscribe. If you're on Apple podcasts, please rate us and please do write us a review if you're so inclined. We just, uh, Amazon is just now having podcasts hosted on their music app and maybe on Audible too, which is pretty BA. So um, you can check us out on Amazon now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Bezos, thank you. Or I don't know, the content uh, people at Amazon, I don't know, give a fuck, whatever. Uh, Amazon owns us all and uh, they can have my soul and I'll just rip it out and hand it over. So anywho's, um, next week you, I will have the reanimator episode for you, I promise. Uh, and if I don't, you can, you know, hog tie me and, and, uh, I don't know, berate me. I do whatever you want to do. I don't give a fuck. Uh, COVID. Anyway, wear a mask. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. The music in this episode was written and performed by Melissa Powers. Jeans.